Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. During our last study of the this narrative of Ruth, we considered Naomi's instruction in the first six uh, verses specifically of this chapter and Ruth's response to that instruction of Naomi concerning Ruth's future. I mentioned to you, if you recall, that Naomi's attitude regarding her responsibility to help Ruth had drastically changed. In the first chapter of this narrative of Ruth, we find Naomi telling Ruth to return to Moab with Orpah to go back to her gods, and to go back to her people. Yet in chapter 3, the beginning verse of this chapter, we notice that Naomi is no longer telling her to go back, of course, but now expresses a desire to seek a resting place for Ruth. Look back at verse 1 of chapter 3 with me again. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And so here we find that Naomi's attitude again has is, is changed totally. She, where once in her own grief and sadness and her no doubt even bitterness, as she said, call me bitter, and she no doubt had actually harbored some bitterness within her because of how things had so happened to, ha- to be in her life at that point in time, which was all due to her family's sin, due to Elimelech leading them away. I mean, it, it was all part of, I believe, of course, God's correction, but also God's providential working, as we know, to bring Ruth to, with Naomi back to Bethlehem, Judah, and as well to then use that uh, circumstance within their lives as a family that Ruth now would meet Boaz, and of course God's providential uh, purpose and plan, eternal redemptive purpose and plan would be fulfilled through this entire account. And so, We see this drastic change in her attitude, though, from go back home, go back to your people, I have nothing to offer you, basically, is what she was saying, which in reality was true. Naomi couldn't offer her anything, but yet now she's saying, I shall not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee. And Naomi did seek rest for Ruth. She did the only thing, which was the best thing that she could do for Ruth. Naomi pointed Ruth to Boaz, who was the only one able to provide Ruth the rest that she needed and desired, as it was, as it was proven to be throughout the account. Verse 4 says, And it shall be when he lieth down, now Naomi is instructing Ruth on what to do, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down under the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. During our last study of this portion of the text, I pointed out as well several truths concerning Ruth's interaction with uh, according to the, with Boaz, according to the instruction of Naomi. And we saw that first that Ruth had marked the place at the feet of Boaz. The scripture tells us that Ruth had marked the place where Boaz would be found or could be found. In verse 4 it says, And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And the verb mark, I told you, means to take notice or to learn. So Naomi's instructing Ruth to pay attention to where Boaz was, where he would be and where he would rest where she could find him. So to take notice of that, to learn this, to be observant of this truth. And the verse mark, or the verb, I'm sorry, mark, 
implies that Ruth was to give attention to the place that she would find Boaz. So take notice, learn, and give attention to this place. Ruth was instructed to observe the place that Boaz would be found. And I mentioned to you, the Lord has revealed Christ throughout the Word of God. And we are to give attention to the place the Lord has revealed Himself to us. Um, many people will talk about a place in their life, a physical place. And they talk about how the Lord may have done something for them at this location, at this place. But that, that's not what is being spoken of here. What the instruction here for Ruth concerning Boaz was an actual place where Boaz would lay down, yes. It's the place that Boaz had marked as his place, where he would be, where he would rest, where you could find him for that particular night. And so for us, obviously this is the word of God, that God has revealed to us his son through his word. And we ought to take notice and learn and, and give attention to the place where God has revealed himself to us. Not a location, but the word of God itself. Number two, we saw that Ruth humbled herself at the feet of Boaz. Verse 4 goes on to say, And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. When Ruth uncovered the feet of Boaz, she did so as a gesture of humility by letting Boaz know that she was present. And as Ruth confidently approached Boaz, she humbly laid at his feet. So also we are to confidently approach our Heavenly Father in humility. Uh, Again, when you look at, for instance, what we refer to as a model prayer, I don't want to belabor the point here, but I do want to mention this. When we consider Matthew, uh, where the model prayer is mentioned, and Jesus is saying, do not pray uh, with vain repetition as do the Pharisees or those who are religious, but rather, as you pray, pray accordingly. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, our earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power of the kingdom uh, in, now and forever. Amen. And so in that prayer that our Lord demonstrates to the disciples he's not saying he just warned them about being vain and repetition he's not saying repeat this prayer all the time but he is giving them foundational truths concerning how we are to pray and i I mention this for a reason because we are to confidently approach our heavenly father in humility when you think about the the model prayer it begins in a very wonderful peculiar way when compared to any other so-called or, or, or uh, false deity. When you think about religion and you think about men and their gods, or their god, lowercase g, that there is a, a mark of separation that exists between the deity and, and mankind. But yet, in the approach to our god... Jesus says that we are to pray our Father. And rather than separating us from Him, He is showing us the relationship that we have with Him. This is how we can approach Him. Then, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When He says which art in heaven, now He's talking about, yes, we are not where God is. God is not one of us, and we are not a God. But yet He is set apart unto Himself, but yet He's given us this relationship Though there be a vast separation that would be because of Christ, as Christ is teaching them to pray, because of him, now we have a communion and fellowship with him and are drawn near to him as our Heavenly Father. So our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, holy, sanctified, set apart is your name. And then he speaks about the Lord's kingdom and will 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Notice that precedes even the request for daily provision. So there's a humble submission to the Lord saying, we submit to you and your will being accomplished and your desire and your purpose even before we make our own petitions known. But then we're provided the opportunity to make our petitions known. And as First John teaches, or in, in John, uh, in his epistle, John writes and he says that we know that he heareth us. And when we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us. And that he grants that as we pray according to his will. So it's not just that we can make our petitions known, but as we submit to the Lord and his will, we know that our prayers will be answered as we pray them so long as we are praying according to his will. And this is the point. Ruth came to Boaz in confidence, but yet in humility. And we are to do the same. We can come in confidence. This is our Heavenly Father. We can make our petitions known unto Him. But we also must come humbly. Your will be done, not mine. I submit myself unto you. I lay myself at your feet. Third, Ruth found instruction at the feet of Boaz. Verse 4, uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Ruth was humbling herself at the feet of Boaz and did so anticipating the instruction she would receive from Boaz as she patiently waited at his feet. We again are to humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus, not to simply find rest, but to anticipate his instruction and to learn of him. At his feet we find rest, we find instruction, we find strength to do his work according to his will. As I previously stated, to be at his feet is to submit to him. And therefore to be at his feet is not to be idle or passive, but it is to be obedient to his instruction. Verses 5 and 6 go on to tell us, she said unto her, all thou, that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she, Ruth, went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. So Ruth did as Naomi instructed the importance of getting to Boaz and finding rest and instruction at his feet. And there's no better place, obviously, to be than at the feet of our Lord. We find comfort, instruction, and rest at his feet. Within verse 6, we are told that Ruth acted in obedience again to the instruction of Naomi. And she went down unto the floor... And did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. In the following verses, we are reminded, or provided the details of Ruth's actions and also Boaz's response to Ruth. And it's imperative that we remember that it was Boaz who initiated the relationship with Ruth. And now Ruth is responding to the love and grace of Boaz. And in like manner, any pursuit after God or righteousness is not self-initiated. But it is the result of God's love and God's grace which he has demonstrated to us. Isn't it interesting? Let's just pause for a moment and consider this with me. Many people, when they think of salvation or they think about uh, coming to Christ, they only really focus on the moments in which they are saying, Oh Lord, have mercy on me. Oh God, save me. Oh, I came to understand that I was in need of a Savior. Well, that would be like Ruth saying, hey, Boaz, here I am, and I just want to initiate a relationship with you. No, Ruth is simply responding to the love and grace of Boaz, which has already been demonstrated unto her. And might I say, when we come to faith in Christ, we are not initiating anything. If any man ever comes to faith in Christ in salvation, it is a direct result of the grace, the love, the kindness, and the pursuit of God after that individual. To bring them to faith in Christ. 
how, how short-sighted we become, do we not? Oh, yeah, I just woke up and I was... I, need, I knew I needed the Lord, and I just say, oh, God, save me, and then God saved me because I cried out unto him. No, God saved you because he's the one who brought you to that understanding and was working all this time in kindness and grace to draw you to himself. And so we see in this that just as love is reciprocal, so is the affirmation of this love. When one genuinely loves another, that love will... That love will also contain a desire to affirm such love. So we find tonight, looking at verse 7, first, that Ruth affirmed her love for Boaz by submitting herself at his feet. In verse 7, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. Now notice something here. We've already seen where Naomi says, Go to Boaz, lay at his feet. Find it, mark the place he's at, and find that spot, and then you lay at his feet. And we saw where Ruth says, oh, I will do as you told me to do. So here you find an expression, at least a verbal expression of love or commitment or, or a desire to know Boaz and get to be around him and be in his presence. But it's different than just a claim. Ruth went and did this. This is an affirmation of this love, a, a true demonstration of this love. And part of the reciprocation of Ruth's love for Boaz is demonstrated in this humility in approaching Boaz. Notice what the scripture says. She came to Boaz softly. And what that's referring to is secretly or in a secret manner. So Ruth did not do this out of shame. She didn't come to Boaz at night and softly come to him because she was embarrassed to come to him. That's not what's taking place here. Neither did she come to him or approach him with some selfish agenda in mind. She approached him in the quiet of the night, secretly, out of respect for Boaz, and with a desire to be near him in a submissive and humble spirit. As I mentioned within our last study, Jesus provided insight to the importance of one spending time at his feet. In Luke 10, 38-42, we read, Now it came to pass as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Notice what's taking place there again. Where was Mary? At the feet of Jesus. What was she doing? Just resting? Just sitting? No. She sat there and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, let me, let me mention this again. We've already dealt with this in our previous study concerning this matter, but <clears throat> I want to go a little further into this uh, tonight as we consider what, what Ruth is doing and coming to the uh, Boaz's feet and resting and laying herself there, and as Mary finds herself at the feet of Jesus, it, we have to remember first that it is not wrong that Martha served. However, Jesus does say to Martha, Martha, thou art careful, and that word means anxious. You are anxious and troubled, and the word troubled here means distracted. That's what it literally means. So she is saying, the Lord is saying to, to Martha, you are anxious and you are distracted about many things. Or might we say, by many things. 
While the Lord stated concerning Mary, one thing is needful, and the word needful literally means necessary. One thing is necessary, and Mary hath chosen that good part or that portion which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, Robertson commented along these lines, Jesus seems to say to Martha that only one dish was really necessary for the meal instead of the many about which she was so anxious. Martha's preparing all this, these dishes for this meal. She's getting all the food ready while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, Martha, there's only one, there's only one dish necessary for this meal to be complete. And it's not the ones you're working about. It's the one of sitting at my feet, learning of me, feeding from me. The good portion, the best dish on the table was fellowship with Jesus. The other things were good. It's not that it was wrong but this is what was best. This is what was necessary. Let us not forsake the one necessary thing in our spiritual lives for all the extras, which can become nothing more than distractions, which draw our attention away from that portion which we must have. What is that portion? Secret or private, personal time of fellowship with the Lord in His Word. Another example which demonstrates this importance is the church at Ephesus, Revelation 2, 1 through 4. You know the passage, under the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast, thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hath labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left Thy first love. Many people often quote this verse or misquote it by saying you've lost, they lost their first love. No, they did not lose anything. They left their first love. They neglected that which was necessary. Just as Martha had neglected that which was necessary that Mary clung to. The church at Ephesus, it's interesting concerning what Jesus says about them. They believed the right things. They practiced the right things. They hated that which was evil, and yet the Lord had ought against them. Contrary to what many people claim, again, it's not that they lost anything, it's that they left this. They neglected this one thing. Jesus further warned that the love of many would decline in Matthew 24, 11, and 12. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And then Jesus rebuked the Laodicean church as well in Revelation 3 for their waning love. Verses 15 and 16, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would, thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So here again, you find this lack of genuine love and, and desire for fellowship with the Lord and this lukewarmness, if you will, neither cold nor hot, putrid, if you will. And so there's this warning and there are these examples and as well the account of Mary and Martha in which Jesus says what is right and what is good in the portion that is necessary and will not be taken away. And here we find Ruth, in order to be at Boaz's feet, she personally sacrificed herself, she sacrificed her own sleep, and she sacrificed her own privacy, her own comfort, by submitting herself at the feet of Boaz. Now, understand something. We know the, we know the narrative. We can read it from the, from the end to the beginning, or from the beginning to the end, or jump right in the middle. We are familiar with this narrative. We know what happened. But you have to remember something. Ruth lived this. 
And she did not have some foresight into the future to know exactly how things would play out. Now, I believe she had confidence. I do. And I believe she had humility coming to Boaz. And I believe the reason she was confident was not because of who she was. Again, she's already expressed that in the previous chapters. Remember, I'm a stranger. Why would you show me kindness? Why would you comfort me? So Ruth understood who she was. And she understood that she was unworthy of such grace. Else it would not be grace. So her confidence did not spring from self-confidence. Her confidence is in the character of the one who's already been gracious to her. So she comes knowing that she will be favored in his sight, not because of who she is, but because of who he is, and because he has chosen to act in such a fashion. But yet still we find that she is sacrificing here in that regard, that she does not see, foresee the future. And this we must remember also, her actually going to the feet of Boaz at the threshing floor is the first formal act of Ruth showing her personal interest in Boaz. Which would have obviously been perceived as an act that could have made her anxious or would have been outside of her comfort zone. Because she's never done anything like this before. Then second we see, verses 8 through 11, that Ruth received everything she needed when she submitted herself at the feet of Boaz. Verse 8, And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? She answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread before thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art in your kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Now this passage of Scripture contains an equal division of two verses each. Within the first two verses, 8 and 9, we see Ruth's approach to Boaz and her request. And within the second two verses, 10 and 11, we find Boaz's response to Ruth's actions and her request. So let's look at Ruth's request first, verses 8 and 9. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Never, as I mentioned a while ago, never before had Ruth acted in such a direct manner with Boaz. Ruth's actions were according again to Naomi's instruction, which was not something Ruth would have been accustomed to, being a Moabitess. Nonetheless, Ruth humbled herself, and followed Naomi's instruction, and furthermore, she humbled herself by laying down at Boaz's feet. Now, once Boaz recognized that someone was at his feet, he asked who it was. And Ruth then made the request in verse 9. I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread, therefore, thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Now, the noun skirt, it means or infers a wing, an edge, or a hem. And Ruth is actually submitting herself under, if we could say, the wing of Boaz. Now consider the implications of this. She is submitting herself at his feet, and she is saying, cover me, protect me, provide for me. This is her request. I want to be comforted by you. I want to know more of your grace. I want to know more of you. I want to know your warmth. I want to know your love. I want to know your mercy. Guard, protect, cover, embrace me. 
And what's more is that Ruth finds herself in this very position with Boaz due to the fact that she had already entrusted herself under the Lord's wing. As Boaz commented in Ruth 2.12, back a chapter, Boaz says to Ruth, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. By trusting the Lord, by leaving everything behind, following after Naomi, saying, your God will be my God, your people are going to be my people, your home is going to be my home. She is totally trusting her entire existence, her entire future, her entire well-being to the Lord. And here we find the Lord practically providing for her under the wing protection and provision of Boaz. Look at Boaz's response to this request made by Ruth, verses 10 and 11. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know thou art a virtuous woman. Now it's believed that Boaz was older than Ruth, which would have been obviously reasonable, considering what Boaz says to her as to why Boaz would refer to Ruth not following after the young men. Boaz had previously instructed Ruth to not work in any other field, if you recall back in chapter 2, and informed her that he had also instructed his young men not to touch her and to take care of her needs. In Ruth 2, 8 and 9 we read, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another, in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go out thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And where, when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. So here Boaz is saying to Ruth, you have shown more kindness and character in reality in that you've not gone to go seek after young, rich or poor young men, but rather you have remained in my field. You have followed my instruction. And in verse 11, Boaz then assured Ruth. He says, My daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. Now the implication of Boaz's statement, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, is that Boaz will do everything that Ruth had requested him to do. And furthermore, Boaz would do everything that Ruth needed Boaz to do on her behalf. It's as though Boaz is saying, Okay, Ruth, I will do for you exactly what you have asked, and I will do for you that which you have not asked that is required on your behalf. He's saying, I will take care of you, and I will take care of this situation. And we find how that unfolds further in the text. Boaz then refers to Ruth as a virtuous woman, and how the entire city knew this was true of her. He says, for all the city of my people doth know thou art a virtuous woman. Now this statement is is important because it not only testifies of Ruth's character, but also it is a testimony of Ruth's intentions in in approaching Boaz that night. There was nothing impure, there was nothing immodest, there was nothing sinful in Ruth's actions or in Ruth's request as she approached Boaz. Ruth went to the only person she knew could help her. 
The only person she knew could provide her rest and do all that was necessary to redeem her according to the testimony of Naomi, who was a part of Boaz's family. Let's stop here for just a moment. Remember this. The same one who said, I can't help you, I can't do anything for you. Go back to your people, just go back to your gods. Is now the one, Naomi, who instructed Ruth, first voiced, I want you to find rest, and I want to do everything I possibly can to help you to find that rest. How do I do that? Go to Boaz, Ruth. And here's what you do. You go to Boaz, you humble yourself before him. You lay there and you wait humbly at his feet. He'll tell you what needs to be done. He'll tell you what to do. And you listen to what he says. And so Naomi, the only reason Ruth did what she did, the only reason Ruth knew what to do. Now Boaz had already shown grace to her. Boaz had already shown love to her. Boaz had already been merciful and kind and comforting to her. But the reason Ruth did what she did in this text is because someone who already knew Boaz pointed Ruth in that direction and said, go to Boaz. Humble yourself at his feet. Are you understanding this? Listen, there are people all about us with no question, without question. There are people all about us who are in desperate need of rest, who are in desperate need of redemption. And God has manifested in Christ his love. He has demonstrated that to them. And there are those out there to whom God has already personally shown that love and drawn them by that love. But here we are as ambassadors for Christ, such as Naomi. And you know what our responsibility is? Oh, this world is just going to hell and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing. No, we can't do anything about it. But here's what we can do. We can point them to our Redeemer that we know and say, here's the place you find hope. Here's the place you find help. Here's the place you find life. Here's the one who will provide rest for you, rest for your soul. Here is the one who will protect you, will provide for you, will give peace to you, will comfort you, will will show kindness to you and grace to you. And here's what you do. You go to him and just submit yourself at his feet. And he'll let you know what to do. (laughs) He'll instruct you. He'll tell you. And this is where Naomi is. And this is where Ruth is because Naomi is telling her this. Now, had Naomi said this, and Boaz not already shown Ruth love and grace and mercy, it would have been of note to no avail, obviously. This is Boaz initiating all this, but then Naomi recognizes this and says, oh, you've been in Boaz's field. Remember, where have you been? Oh, I've been in Boaz's field. Oh, let me tell you about Boaz. He's a near kinsman to us. He's part of Elimelech's family. He said, she says, go to him. Stay with him. Humble yourself before him. In other words, Naomi's testimony of Boaz and Boaz's actions towards Ruth in showing her grace and kindness was the reason Ruth approached Boaz in humility and requested to find a place under his wing. Our Lord, Je- our, our Lord Jesus Christ is the only one capable of doing all that is required to redeem us to provide, and to provide eternal rest for our souls. Remember, we've mentioned this many times already through this study, but Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. If you found rest unto your souls through the provision of our heavenly Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, why would we not desire 
when we can do nothing more but the greatest thing we can ever do? Why would we not desire to say, run to Boaz, run to Christ, flee, flee to Christ and humble yourself before Him and you will find rest under your souls. Let's bow in prayer. Father, again, we thank you for your word and the opportunity.